South Sudan in focus on the Voice of America. I'm John Tanza in Washington. Here are some of the top stories making news across South Sudan this Friday, October 14, 2022. The governor of Upper Nile State says the South Sudan Army is doing very little to protect civilians from attacks by armed young men. They killed five people in Padit. In Fashoda, they killed two people. In Nigi, they kill one person. And there are 17 people killed in Yoin. In Yoin. This were this the people found fallen on the ground. And a South Sudanese Canadian musician says South Sudan has changed. When I was there before, what used to happen is you get beaten for no reason. Now there's a little bit of respect to the citizen within the city. And I don't know what they've done. It's those a drunken man who was drunk. So what the police did is they took him off his car and they took his key and they dropped him with a different car to his house. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. Authorities in the Upper Nile State capital, Malakal, say 24 people were killed in an ongoing fighting in the area. The Upper Nile State governor says the South Sudan People's Defense Force, which is the national army, is doing very little to protect civilians trapped in the violence by a group of armed men suspected of coming from neighboring jungle state. For VOA News, Dengai Deng reports from Bor. Upper Nile State Governor Budok Ayang says at least 25 people have been killed in recent fighting. He says a group of armed young men suspected of coming from neighboring jungle states, Fanga County, invaded Upper Nile on Wednesday and went on a rampage in Makal and Pashoda counties, killing civilians and looting property. They killed five people in Padit. In Fashoda, they killed two people. In Ningir, they killed one person. And there are 17 people killed in Yoin. In Yoin. This were, this were the people found fallen on the ground. Governor Ayang says he is disappointed by the South Sudan Defense Force and accused the National Army of sitting on its mandate of protecting civilians and, in its words, folding their hands while civilians are being killed on their watch. On our behalf as the government, we ordered the National Army to go and fight those people. But the forces of the government refused. They said, those people are civilians and they cannot fight with the civilians. So we left them. Also, she looked, she rise up and fight to protect themselves against, against those people. Because there is no role of the government here. Because the government army say they do not want to fight with civilians. On Wednesday, Upper Nile's Minister for Peace, Simon Tut, who is also the state's acting information minister, told VOA a group of heavily armed young men calling themselves the White Army were suspected of crossing the Nile from neighboring Jonglei State's Fanga County to attack civilians in Upper Nile. Tut said a large number of civilians, mostly women, children and the elderly, were displaced and have sought shelter at the Upper Nile University campus because the Malakal protection of civilian site is full. 
Jongle State Information Minister John Samuel Manyon said he was not aware of any armed youth from Jongle being involved in violence in Upper Nile and said the latest fighting was among holdout rebel groups. South Sudan Army spokesperson Major General Lulrai Kong said the position of the SSPDF has not changed, that it cannot intervene because the fighting is between armed opposition factions of the SPLA in opposition who had mobilized civilians to fight for them. Fighting was taking place in areas under the control of SPLIU, rival factions of SPLIU. We can, we can never intervene in a fighting that is involving factions that uh, are fighting in areas under their own control. The Director of Information for the Sudan People Liberation Movement in opposition, Pok Both Baluang, says the Kidguang and the Agwelek factions are part and parcel of the SSPDF because it signed an agreement with them in Khartoum. So the SSPDF, they cannot distance themselves from this one because they are the group that they have signed an agreement with. They are the one who escorted this barge that has a heavy artillery that attacked our position. Even the barge that you uh, currently located in Atar, okay, it was escorted by the national security of the SSPDF. They went further by attacking our stronghold uh, position in Apanai and also in Jongle State. So they cannot defend themselves from this one. Gerald Kong argues the Khartoum agreement has not been implemented and therefore the Kidguang and Agwelek factions are not accountable to the SSPDF. In theory, yes, they have signed an agreement with us, but it has not been implemented. And as a result, they are still operating on their own. They are not taking orders from, 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 SSPDF, from SSPDF leadership. Brigadier General Chual Dengton, the spokesperson of the Kidguang faction, allied to General Simon Garwich, which is the group accused of carrying out the attack, denied his forces were involved in the fighting. General Johnson Olunch, commander of the Aguila factions of the SPLAIO, also denied his forces attacked Upper Nile state civilians. General Olin said the Aguilek forces only intervene at times to protect civilians against the aggression from the forces allied to General Simon Gadwich. In January, the same holdout SPLA-IO faction signed separate agreements with the SPLM-IG in the Sudanese capital Khartoum. The peace deal states that the 2018 permanent ceasefire agreement prevails and will be maintained. The agreement also called for the establishment of the coordination offices in Bor and Malakal to enable the reintegration of forces into the South Sudan's People's Defense Forces. General Orange agreed to maintain the borders of the Shiluglen as they stood on January 1, 1956. The factions also agreed to maintain separate forces until arrangements are completed to reintegrate them into the SSPDF. For VOA News, I am Deng Gaiding in Bor. Some civil society activists in South Sudan are calling on the government to intervene, stop the fighting between forces of General Simon Gatwich and the Aguilek group, loyal to General Johnson Oloy in Upper Nile State. The activists say thousands of families are being forced from their homes in parts of Upper Nile due to the ongoing inter-rebel fightings. For VOA News, Sheila Pony reports from Juba. Bol Deng Bol, chairperson of the Jongle Civil Society Network, says the violence in Upper Nile has not only affected that state, but the entire country. 
He says the fighting has pitted young men against each other, resulting in many deaths. And a number of people have also died. Uh, thousands of them are displaced, more than 8,000 are displaced, and now have sought safety at uh, the POC in Malacca. So this is a consequence, uh, you know, uh, youth killing themselves, youth being mobilized by, by some armed groups, you know, to, to, to fight against the other communities. This is what is happening, and it's really affecting us, really affecting our country. Speaking to South Sudan in focus, Edmund Yakani, executive director of the NGO, Community Empowerment for Progress, urged President Salfakir to find an immediate solution in different communities in the area and between the forces of Simon Gatwich and Johnson Oloi. We see there's no any objective of those violence that are claiming lives of youth innocently and forcing population to displacement. Some of these population are aged people, persons with disability, children, elderly, and also women who are lactating. Yakani called on national political leaders and the international community to set up and put a stop to the human rights abuses occurring in Upper Nile State. As we speak now, crime against humanity is committed through the violence that is going on between Twitchy Dinka and Ngoka Dinka and the violence that is happening between the forces of Simon Garwich and Johnson Oloin. We shouldn't be selective if we are prescribing a solution to this crisis. My voice is a voice calling for an immediate solution. My voice is a voice calling for an intervention. My voice is a voice calling stop silence and watching what is going on as a crime against humanity. Ball agrees that it's time the national government intervene and bring the conflict to an end. The government should, should take responsibility. And taking responsibility means calling back these youth that are there. Means uh, mobilizing the, 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 the government forces that are there. This is the first prime responsibility of the government to not see uh, communities killing themselves. It is unfortunate that this thing is happening at their the watch. It is even shameful. South Sudan Information Minister Michael Markwe says the government is already taking action on the fighting between ethnic communities in Warab State and the Abia administrative area and the forces of Simon Gatwich and Johnson Oloi. The only difficulty that we have been facing was the issue of the water, because the whole, the whole area is underwater and it is facing difficulty in transporting to the area. Gender rights activist Rachel Adao says people are fed up with the violence in Upper Nile State. Because we are tired of fighting, so let our children have a peaceful environment and women. And we are killing ourselves as South Sudanese. We are not enemies, but we are brothers and sisters. Thousands of people were forced to flee their homes in Upper Nile State in mid-August between SPLM IO Fiction in Tonga Town and surrounding areas in the state's Panikang County. Late last month, the Trika countries of the United States, the United Kingdom and Norway voiced deep concern about the continuing violence in Upper Nile State. On Tuesday, authorities in Upper Nile State's Fashoda County said an unknown number of people were killed and thousands of others displaced from their homes after armed militia attacked the area. 
Fasoda County Commissioner Joseph Aban said the fighting between armed militaries began on Saturday and had continued through Monday in several villages. On Wednesday, authorities in the Upper Nile State's capital, Malakal, said armed young men suspected of coming from neighboring jungle state, Fangak County, invaded the area. Upper Nile State Information Minister Simon Tut said a group of heavily armed young men who calls themselves the White Army killed an unknown number of civilians. Tut said... The armed men who went on a rampage were suspected of crossing the Nile from neighboring Jongole State, Fangak County, to enter Upper Nile State. The Jongole State Information Minister denied youth from Jongole attacked people in Upper Nile. The Jongole State Information Minister denied youth from Jongole attacked people in Upper Nile. For VOA News, I am Sheila Pony in Juba. A South Sudanese Canadian musician, Emmanuel Jal, says the situation in his country has changed. Jal says the implementation of the 2018 peace agreement has changed a lot of things in South Sudan. The thing that I know from my own God, the president himself really wants the peace to work. And he has tried his best to, to risk even by allowing uh, Dr. Machar to come to South Sudan without bodyguards, that like without his army. I mean, if you also look at it, that's also a huge commitment from uh, Dr. Machar himself. But also we have stakeholders uh, within the system that has been benefiting from the war. The biggest nightmare is the peace going in place because wars is a project. Uh, the biggest pain that the president feel, and you can see in his life, is the people of how his people suffer. He's feeling it. He may not have a way forward, but we there's no way to run from it because you're responsible for every person problem. You know when you become the leader, so you're blamed for everything. <laughs> right. So the, yeah. the the biggest thing is I think the biggest one from my own research. I went to Juba recently. And I would go to, I'd walk at night, you know, and mm-hmm. walking at night, I'd meet some soldiers, you know. And long t- when I was there before, what used to happen is you get beaten for no reason. Now there's a little bit of respect to the citizen within the city, you know. And I don't know what they've done, especially one case that I witnessed at night was those like drunken man was drunk. So what the police did is they took him off his car and they took his key and they dropped him with a different car to his house. And then they drove his car to a police station and told him tomorrow he can come to to police station. Which if it was the olden way, that would be the hell that person. (laughs) And for me to witness that, I said, look, there's something positive in my country. Um, my, my only question is this to the South Sudanese out there is nobody's going to make our country move forward. We're not going to look for America to change our country. We're not going to look for the Kenyan, for the rest of the world. Each one of us has to stand and say, what is it that I can do as a person to make this country go forward? Because the way I look at it, leadership is the reflection of the society. The way the president is, is the reflection of how we are as a people. 
So until we change our mindset as as South Sudanese, we will not see that country we're hoping for because wealth is built as a collective, change comes as a collective. And for peace to work, all of us has to play our part in it. That's Emmanuel Jal speaking with my colleague Heather Maxwell. listening to South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America. What do you think? People speak out on important questions. The question today. What job would you be really bad at and why? If I was to be a doctor, I don't think I would do it well because I'm not actually confident at uh, treating people. But I have that humanity of uh, I can treat someone well, well, but I can't treat you like a patient. I'll be really bad at any job that would tell me what to wear. I'm a person that doesn't like to use tie, especially. So any job that would tell me I have to talk in, I have to use tie, I have to resume by 7 a.m. and all, I'll be bad at that job because it's not part of my ethics. I'm not so good with handling gadgets, electronics, and also I believe I'll be very bad at computer engineering. I wouldn't know how to go about it. I wouldn't know how to fix things here and there. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus on The Voice of America. A new report findings half of all countries globally lack early warning system that could save lives by alerting communities of impending disaster, including typhoons, droughts, and heat waves. The joint report by the UN Office for Disaster Risk Reduction and the World Meteorological Organization is being released to mark the International Day for Disaster Risk Reduction. For VOA News, Lisa Schlein reports from Geneva. Extreme weather is increasing in frequency and intensity. The United Nations estimates up to 3.6 billion people live in areas that are highly vulnerable to climate change and related disasters. It says the number of recorded disasters has increased by a factor of five, driven in part by human-induced climate change and more extreme, unpredictable weather events. The UNDRR predicts 560 disasters will take place annually by the year 2030. It warns the number of droughts will increase by 30% and the number of scorching heat waves will triple by 2030. Loretta Heber-Girade is UNDRR's Chief of the Risk Knowledge Monitoring and Capacity Development Branch. She says the best ways for communities to protect themselves and to adapt to climate change is to scale up early warning systems. Yet, she notes, only half of the world has functioning systems in place. This means that one out of three people globally, primarily in small island developing states and least developed countries, and six out of every ten persons in Africa lack access to effective early warning systems. This is unacceptable. She says lack of early warning leads to loss of lives and livelihoods and unnecessary damage to assets. She says new data show disaster-related deaths are eight times higher in countries with limited early warning coverage than in those that have comprehensive systems in place. And yet we know that early warnings by only 24 hours can cut the ensuing damage by 30%. 
A climate-related hazard does not have to translate into a disaster. It becomes a disaster because communities are not prepared and because the vulnerabilities and exposure of that community has not been mitigated. Many early warning systems cover only one type of hazard, like floods or cyclones. However, given the many extreme, unpredictable climate change-related events, the United Nations urges countries to invest in multi-hazard early warning systems. Such systems, it notes, can address several climate-induced disasters that may occur simultaneously. Lisa Schlein for VOA News, Geneva. We'd love to hear your remarks on some of the issues in this broadcast. My colleague Nabil Biagio is ready with this week's listener comments. Thank you, John. We heard from many of you this week about our news coverage on the attacks in the Abyei administrative area and fighting in other parts of South Sudan, such as Joel Maker from Jamjang County of the Ruang administrative area who writes, It is very unfortunate as South Sudanese to fight the Abyei people for land and border issues before finalizing the Abyei status. John Philip Kwan in Bortown of Jongule State says, Hello, VOA. I am urging the people in Twitch County of Warab State, in which they are still carrying out attacks on Mok Dinka in Abyei, to stop. I am still calling on both communities to de-escalate the violence and come to the table for amicable, peaceful solutions. However, I also urge the people of Twitch communities to know Abyei is a contested area between Sudan and South Sudan, so if you still continue attacking them, the Abyei area definitely will be taken by the Sudan government by force. Thanks. Matua Amos from Maraka District in Uganda says, The attack on civilians by the armed men in Jongule State is so unfortunate. May peace prevail in South Sudan. Another person who did not leave their name says, Hello, viewer. The issue of Twitch Mayardid of Warab State and Ngok Dinka of Abyei Administrative Area is a serious security threat to South Sudan. The government of South Sudan should always urgently intervene for finding a solution in such national concerns. Mabor Alatrengo in Rumbek in Lakestead says, Hello, John, Tanza, and Nabil. The issue of Abyei and Twitch does not need to fall on the fears. Therefore, I am appealing to the MPs of those two communities and the president to send delegations quickly to intervene. May the souls of those who have been killed rest in peace. John McWay Amwom from St. Andrew Cathedral in Bortown in Jongule State says, The abduction of a head chief in Western Equatorial State is a harm to peace. Let them release the head chief immediately so that peace prevails in South Sudan. John Tela from the refugee camp in Bidibidi, Uganda says, Thank you, John Tanza, for updating us about South Sudan news. We are worried as citizens of South Sudan. We want peace so that we can return back to our country. Henry Thunder from Yoyo Camp in Uganda says, Please let our government focus on the people who are in the camps. They should do all the possible things to stabilize peace in the country and bring back the people who are suffering in refugee camps and enjoy their own country. Daniel Don Majok from Rubek Rice, I request international NGOs to support the displaced people whose lives are in danger across the nation, including malnutrition in some parts of the country. We need the government also to cooperate with NGOs to rescue civilian lives.
Someone who did not leave a name says, Hello, John and Nabil. It is indeed disheartening news to have heard someone claiming his right is dismissed from service. The dismissal of four teachers who were claiming their right is the abuse of power by the state minister of education. It was unfair, cooked in an absent-minded decision. Mr. Honorable Minister, don't lie to the public that it was a screening. It was a targeted termination of their services. Saber Isaac Khamis from Yambio in Western Equatorial State writes, Hello, VOA South Sudan in focus. The political standoff between the parties in Western Equatorial State needs to be resolved amicably and I call upon the leadership in the state to always have plenty of solutions to each problem rather than always having negatives to their differences. The citizens of this country need peace in a conducive environment to go about their daily business, not creating panic throughout. Peace is paramount. Garkwath Manong Chuang Kujek from Juba says, Good evening, John, Tanza, and Nabil. The devastating waters in Unity State, Bantu, where dikes are broken, which had prevented water from entering protection of civilian sites, is something that needs the intervention of Juba authorities because the UN is trying its level best. But the Juba regime has not intervened. In the interim, people need food assistance, mosquito nets, medicine, and clean drinking water. James Roy Majok from Unity State in Bantu Town says hi Nabil and John Tanza. Unity State's Bantu Town and Rapkona Town plus Bantu IDP camps have been flooded by heavy rains pouring on Friday. Currently, people are using canoes to move from place to place. Life is very difficult for everyone to get access to food. All are cut off. Lamude Emmanuel from Bidibidi Camp in Uganda says hi viewer. The move fronted by the World Food Program to cut food rations and give money to refugees is a bad move. It is better to let them reduce the food rations than giving money because money is the main cause of violence at homes. Thanks. Dun Majok Korai from Rombek writes, Hello, VOA. Congratulations to the lawmakers for raising the concern of the people of South Sudan about the monthly payments to all civil servants across the country after receiving medical allowances of $15,000 last week while the majority of the people are in acute food insecurity in South Sudan. The opinions expressed here do not reflect the views of this program or VOA. We appreciate hearing from you. Keep those comments coming. You can now send us your recorded voice message and we will sample some of them every Friday. Our WhatsApp number is plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. That's all we prepared for you this Friday. Don't forget to check out voaafrica.com for all your favorite programs and news updates. If you miss this broadcast, go to www.voanews.com forward slash South Sudan. We now leave you with Emmanuel Jal and the song We Want Peace. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I'm looking for some people who's looking for peace. Maybe together we could make the war cease. Now we can send mankind to the moon. And we can reach to the bottom of the sea. That's why it's really kind of baffles me. That we cannot end wars and bring peace. And we cannot change the way people act. The way people think. So if we sit back, chill out, and relax, civilization will soon be extinct. That's why I am. I'm calling on the whole wide world. 
Listening to Emmanuel Jal and the song We Want Peace. I'm your host, John Tanza in Washington. Thanks for taking time to be with us. Join us again next week for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America.